0: Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Claire Douglas had worked as a journalist for 15 years, writing features for women's magazines and national newspapers, but she wanted to be a novelist from the time that she was seven, a dream that came true with the publication of her first novel, The Sisters, which won the Marie Claire Debut Novel Award. She lives in Bath, England with her husband and two children, and I'm delighted to welcome you, Claire, to the Storyteller's Microphone. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. Oh, well, thank you. We're very, very excited to have you. How did you know that you wanted to be a novelist? I wouldn't have even known the word novelist at the age of seven. So how did you know?
1: (laughs) Because I remember I was in like a classroom. and The teacher was talking about books and she was talking about Ina Blyton, who I always loved when I was a little girl. So she talked about blighting and she was saying that she was an author. And I was like, oh, I've never heard that word before. What's an author? And she was like, an author is somebody who writes books and gets paid for writing books. And I was like, that's a job. And I was really excited <laughs> by the thought that that's an actual job. And I knew straight away, I was like, that's the job I want. I want that job. Because I loved writing stories, even when I was really young. So I just knew as soon as I knew there was a job called an author, I wanted to be it. <laughs>
0: That's fabulous. And you
1: started out doing rom-com, is that correct? Yes. So I I started out as a journalist and then I decided I was trying to write, I really liked um, like, you know, like comedy, like authors like Marion Keys. So I wanted to write like a, like a sort of comedy drama. Um, But then, so I did that for a couple of books and they never got published and they got sent back and I got some encouraging, you know, uh, comments, but most of the time they were like, no. So then I, saw, then I saw there was um, a competition, and I, I was already writing a rom-com, but then I was thinking, oh, maybe I should. I had this other idea, and I thought maybe I should go for that idea because it's a bit darker, and, and then I, I did, and then, and then I had these two books, and I was like, what should I do? Should I submit the one I've been working on for years, this sort of rom-com, or should I go for it and go for this sort of thrillery? So I sent the thrillery one, and I'm really glad I did. I'm really glad I did, because I think if I sent the rom-com, I wouldn't be talking to you now, probably. <laughs>
0: Well, we're very glad you did too. And you went from that to now having seven standalone novels, an eighth one coming
1: out next year in 20 languages. Yes, I know. That's amazing. I, I still I still find that so fascinating to have books in in like countries where I can't speak the language. And it's just to think that my books were translated into different languages is yeah, I still find that like, wow. <laughs> it's weird. As,
0: as do I. <laughs> You are regularly, and you, you know, you and I've just met, but you yeah. are regularly described as delightful, upbeat, oh. funny. It is direct antithesis of what you now write. <laughs>
1: <I know. laughs> so where does that darkness come from, Claire? It's really odd because I, I've met a lot of crime writers over the last few years, and they're all like that. You know, they're all sort of quite happy, quite fun. And it's like, I think, I reckon the thing is we must get all our angst out on the page. So that's probably why we're like nice in real life, because all our dark sides come out in the page. So we could be nice in real life because we've already got rid of all our dark thoughts <laughs> in a book. So I, I wonder if that's why? I don't know. It's strange isn't it? But yeah I, I think it is quite like therapeutic to write thrillers. Oh, I'm sure it is, but do do you have a dark side? Well, I- <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I did, but i i must have a—I I don't know. Like I think I have a dark imagination, and I think that gets you know put down on the page. But I, I think I think um I am a bit of a what's the word for it? catastrophic person? Is that when somebody is always catastrophic? Catastrophic. That's it. Catastrophizing. Yeah, yeah catastrophizing. Catastrophi- I can't say. It. Yeah, catastrophizing. When I'm always thinking of the worst thing that can happen, I am a bit like that. Like if we're walking down the road and I've got my son who's only 12. I'm thinking, oh, make sure he walks on the inside because a car might come and it might make the pavement and he might get not, you know, so I'm always thinking like that. So I think that's probably my dark side, like the sort of anxious worries underneath.
0: Why do you think as a people we are so drawn to thrillers and especially here in the United States right now it's getting to be Halloween time so there's all the scary movies coming out why do you think we're so drawn to them
1: yeah well I think I know I'm drawn to them because I, I but I'm I'm I sort of feel like I'm in my cozy house and it's all nice and warm and I'm reading like these horrible dark things that could happen but you sort of feel quite safe that they're not going to happen, if that makes sense. So you're sort of you're sort of reading them and it's exciting because it's a bit scary, but you know that you're not really in any danger. <laughs> so I don't know if that's the sort of lure of them. There's, it's exciting and you sort of almost think, oh gosh, that, that could happen to me, but it hasn't. So it's quite nice and I can just sit back and read it. And, you know, like when you're watching a scary film, it's like, for me, this, the scarier films are the ones where they're a bit more close to home, whereas things that you're reading that are a little bit, you know, you sort of think, well, yes, it could happen, but it's not
0: going to, you know <laughs> it's <laughs> it's happen to me.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have a theme in several of your books, which is really about vanishing people, missing, disappearing. <laughs> no. uh, is, is that through? I, I haven't read all of them,
1: but I've read some of yeah. them. Is that a, a, a constant for you? I think actually, I think most of them have got some element of that in. Uh, I think a couple of number nine is more probably not so much about that but yeah the one the, the one that's just come out in the UK which is the girls who Disappear, that's coming out in, in um, America in January that's about obviously about three girls who disappear. Um, but yeah I think it's because I think that's probably one of my worst fears but also like it's quite fascinating because there's so many different ways that someone could disappear and there's so many different ways that what could happen to them so they might not be dead necessarily they, you know they, they could have just started a new life or you know there's so many possibilities I think and I think that's what makes it quite interesting no two story is the same you know there's lots of different there's lots of disappearing sort of stories but they're all quite different because yeah. lots of there's lots of different you know scenarios that you can come up with I think for disappearances which book would you like to tell us about first um well the one that's I at the moment where you are is the couple at number nine so maybe that one so that one which is probably Yes, that that one has probably been my favourite to write. I think out of all the books, because it's sort of about a sort of um, a, it's about a mother, her daughter, and a, and like a granddaughter. So it's like sort of three generations of women. So I think it's quite uh, I quite like that, like writing from different perspectives, like the like a you know a grandmother then the mother and then the, the daughter. So you
0: have the three points of view in there.
1: Yes, yes, but the grandmother's in her home when she's got dementia. So so you. I've sort of had to tell her story through fragmented memories and she's sort of having conversations and you're sort of trying to piece together whether it's relevant to the story. Obviously it is relevant, but you know, as you're sort of reading her bits, it's like she's sort of, she's got this big secret that her granddaughter's trying to find out what it is about these these two bodies buried in the cottage that she used to own. And the, the granddaughters found these bodies when she's doing a renovation. So um, she's trying to go to the to the nursing home and ask her grandmother, like, you know, what happened? Um, but the grandmother is obviously can't remember everything. Also, she says, and it's like she's got to try and piece together the truth about what really happened 30 years ago in the cottage. So that was really fun to write. I really enjoyed writing that.
0: Was it fun to write because of the points of view or did you like the tell us what were the parts of it that made it fun
1: yeah I think I like the the points of view I like the fact that there was a grandmother who um has got her own backstory and so I had like a backstory going back to 1980 which is when she lived in the house and then I've got like her daughter who um, is like a a 40 year old mother and then you've got Safi who is the granddaughter so she's like 20 and she's young and she's pregnant um and you know she's quite naive and so it's really fun writing the different characters and the different points of view because they're all very different but they all add to the story that their each voice is important to to finding out what happens so that was
0: so so even though it's dark you're still having fun
1: yes <laughs> yeah it was good because it's like you're it was like a puzzle like you know it was like it was fun to like because it's like a mystery you're trying to, it's more of a mystery i suppose than a scary thriller it's more of a you know what happened so that was really good that was really fun to write because I quite like a puzzle it was, it was quite fun when you're the author as well like you know the ending and you know but you just need to, you want to write it in a way that you, you know you're sort of putting it in little pieces for the reader to sort of guess a bit and then you know maybe not guess enough you know so you're sort of like teasing them it's quite fun to write that
0: <laughs> Do you always know the end
1: yes yeah I do I always know the end I think I think I'd find it really hard to write the book if I didn't know the end just because I I think I'd find it hard to know where to put the the beats of the story and the reveals if I didn't know how it ended um so I need to know the ending yeah so it sounds like
0: you're an outliner
1: yeah but it's weird because I'm not like one of those real planners you know like you have the planners and the pantsers I but I have a very loose outline so I know the twist I know the ending um and I sort of, but I don't really know how to get from A to B necessarily. I don't have it all like planned out, but I, I do, I need to know like where the twist comes, like what the twist is and the ending and who, you know, who, who's responsible for everything that's going on sort of thing. The baddie.
0: <laughs> I'm fascinated by that because I always know the end of my yeah. stories yeah. and I know the beginning. I don't know the middle and the, sometimes the twists, or as a
1: surprise even to
0: me, does that ever oh, happen
1: to you? Yes, yeah. I have the make like a big twist, I always know. But then there's like little twists that come up and I'm like, oh, that's because it's interesting. Then is it? it makes it more fun when you're writing because you're like, oh, this anything can sort of happen. So I have like a loose sort of like, you know, outline, but lots can change. Um, and it's, it's very rarely that the, the baddie changes. It's normally always, just, I think there's only once where I wrote it and then I changed my mind about who the perpetrator was going to be but that's only happened once most of the time I know yeah
0: and you talk about the beats is that something you study and you know where a
1: reader needs to have that um I yeah I think I think I sort of like just by reading a lot of books myself like a lot of thrillers you sort of get like you sort of know don't you like you sort of think right okay something's got to happen now so there's gonna be a bit of a reveal otherwise it's gonna get a bit boring you know there needs to keep being something new um being fed Otherwise mm-hmm. it just, you sort of don't want it to sort of plod along. Um, so I, I think, I did not know that I plan them out, but I, I try to, as I'm writing it, try to think where, where, if I was reading this book now, where would I expect there to be a, you know, reveal or, a, you know, something exciting happening. I, and I always find, I don't know about you, but I always find the middle bit of a book is the bit that you have to sort of work hard on because that could be the bit where you might lose the reader yeah, that might be a bit boring or, you know, yeah. So there's like that, that sense it.
0: of rushing to the end. Should I just rush to the end? But no, yeah. we need, yes, I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. What's your new book that's coming uh, out in the United States next year?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's The Girls Who Disappeared. And that's the one that's just come out here in the UK. Um, and that's the one where it's it's about three. So it starts off with um, four girls in the car, like teenagers. And there's a driver. And then she's got her three friends in the back. She's driving home after a night out. They've been to like a nightclub. Um and it's dark, and they're, they're driving on this sort of haunted, like, like sort of infamously haunted road. Uh, and then as they're driving down it, um, she sees a figure in the road, and she swerves, and she crashes, and she's, she blacks out. When she wakes up, her three friends have disappeared. And then it's like 25 years later, a journalist comes to the town to make a podcast, <laughs> and she um, starts to realise that the, the town didn't want her there, um, and that they're hiding something about what happened that night. So, and then Olivia, who is the character who who was driving the car and who, you know, uh, crashed the car, um, uh, the journalist needs to find out if Jenna, if Jenna's the journalist, she needs to find out if Olivia knows more than she's letting on about what really happened that night. So, yeah.
0: Sounds fascinating. What (laughs) I'm drawn to, Claire, in your writing is first of all, the plots are, you know, if not perfectly thought out from beginning to end, they're exquisite. They they really is. You can see the plot unfolding in a way I don't always see in other people's novels. So you do a beautiful job with plot details. Oh, you're welcome. But you also beautifully accomplish some very tactile sensations for someone. As a reader, I read the story and I I forgive forgive me for not remembering which of your books but the the young girl go the young woman goes to get interviewed for a job and she's standing there feeling all great in her brand new suit and you do such a great job of describing in just a sentence or two that you know it's her brand new suit she's feeling great about it but anybody else would kind of be looking at it as oh you know she just got that um in a, in a very inexpensive store. And I yeah. flashed back to myself of, you know, remembering my first job, being all very excited that I had my very first suit and thinking, yeah. you know, I looked great and it was polyester and I'm sure I looked horrible. <laughs> so where do you both draw that, that ability to make it tactile, but also build character there? Because when you did that, yeah. you got a whole sense of a class system. You yeah. didn't know who was standing at the door prior to that. Yeah, but you had that in an instant.
1: Oh, I think um, I think uh, like like you said, I remember how I felt as well. Like you know, for the first day, and you're young, and like you said, you can't afford a nice suit, so you bought this suit, and you're quite proud of it. But then you realise that actually it's quite cheap. Um, but I wanted to convey because Yuna um, in that book, she's she is like a working class um, girl, and she hasn't got much money, and she goes to this big house to get a job with this rich lady. Um, and I wanted to show that sort of like class sort of separation between Una and and then uh, Elsbeth, who was like the old lady who, who was looking for someone to, you know, be her companion. So I wanted that uh, juxtaposition of, of of class, which I find really fascinating because even, even though, you know, they say here in Britain, there's no class system, there, there sort of still is. Um, there's still like a snobbery sometimes, you know, there's still a bit of judgmental, you know, if you're not wearing the right, Uh, you know, clothes, especially like in like older people um, in that class system. Like so Elsbeth is supposed to be like a very sort of upper class older lady. So she would be looking at suit and she would be judging, you know, from where she got that from. (laughs) So I wanted to sort of I find that really interesting. So that's yeah, that's why I've decided to put that in the book.
0: Well, you do a good job. Not only are you in different languages, but you also have audiobooks, print books. How do you feel as an author about both?
1: yeah it's funny because I I always liked like I love reading a like a a print like a proper print book like a paperback but or hardback um but actually as I've got older I do notice I do read more ebooks I think it's because it's easy isn't it it's like I can just you know when I'm in bed I can just read it on my phone I haven't got to get a book and it's heavy so I sort of I think there is a place for both I can sort of see um why some people sometimes it's easier to have an ebook or an audiobook like my friend tells me she listens to books when she's doing the cleaning um on audio so I thought that's actually quite good because you sort of feel like you're you're doing something useful but you're also you know reading at the same time so you don't feel quite so guilty about it so I think yeah I think it's a, I think it's nice that the books come in different formats have you listened to your own books in audio no I haven't actually I've listened to that like you know you get like a little clip if you look on, on Amazon or somewhere you get a little mm-hmm. clip that and I, I've listened, I listened to the, the little clip but I, I'm not an actual I'm not an audible um Member, so I, have, I need to do that because I, I would like to listen to more audiobooks. I think, especially like if you're walking or.
0: Um, yeah, I walk. would like to. Um, I, I always like to ask authors who do have audiobooks how different it is to have somebody else's voice. Yeah, read your words yes.
1: because
0: yeah. for me it's very clear in my head my voice is in my head when it gets onto the page and I imagine yeah. that's true for you as well
1: yes yeah it is it is strange my, my one of my friends when she read my book she said she could hear me almost because she knows me <laughs> um so it, but so but then my other friend who reads who listens to audiobook she she really likes the audio I think it sort of takes away from it because she knows what she knows me so it's quite it must be quite weird if you know the author wasn't it and then yeah. you're reading that book and you, you're hearing them <laughs> But yes, because I haven't, I haven't listened to that many myself, I, I um, and they always I talk quite fast and they're always much slower and more considered and they're reading. So, yeah,
0: that that does strike me with the audiobooks, the measured pace of yes. the reader. It's it's yeah. very, it's very <laughs> it fast, doesn't it? it always
1: seems it, it seems cold. very
0: slow. It seems very <laughs> yeah. slow. But that's such an art form to be able it to, to yeah. do that.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. They're amazing.
0: What do you think makes a great story? You've got soon to be eight books out. Do you have a
1: formula? Do you rip things from the headlines? What makes for a great story? Yeah, I think I think um, I think something that's relatable to people, even though even they though might not have happened to them, they can they can put themselves in the character's shoes. So I think for me, the character has to be quite uh, strong. I think if it's, if it's a strong character, then I think you'll follow that character wherever they go um so I think the character I think if you've got the characters uh right then I think that the plot is I mean obviously it's obviously plotty and you still need to have things get happening but I think um yeah for me I think if I really relate to the character or I'm just interested in the character that will make me want to carry on reading a book um so that's what I try to do which mean, sometimes it's hard isn't it because you don't want to start a book too slow by having too much character information but you want them to you want the readers to like or have some empathy for a character um, before embarking on the story because you hope that that's what's going to keep them turning the pages and, you know, mm-hmm. interested in the character in some way, yeah.
0: Fascinating. Tell us something... Well, first of all, tell us how people can find you. And then if you have a minute, tell us something quirky about you that we might not know if we were just Googling you.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so I'm on, like, Twitter and Instagram as as, as Clare on Twitter. And Instagram is... Um, Claire Douglas author and Facebook. Um and the quirky thing is um weirdly, I can I can tie a cherry stalk in my mouth with just my tongue and tie it into a knot which I only realised at a dinner party once we were all trying to do it and only me and another woman could do it and no one else could. And we were like, oh, "Oh, I've got a little talent. (laughs) And what gave you the the inspiration to do that? (laughs) I know, someone someone was at the table and they were saying, oh, can you do this? And a lot of people were trying to do it. They were like, no, and I could. And I was like, I can do it. I can do it. (laughs)
0: Well, you're very talented, both as an author and as a cherry stem not tire. Claire, thank you for being with us on The Storytellers today.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Thank you. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, and Grace Salmon. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.